0: Chapter 18 of The Frozen Pirate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barbara Dirksen. The Frozen Pirate by W. Clark Russell. Chapter 18 We Talk Over Our Situation that night as afterwards tassard occupied the berth that he was used to sleep in before he was frozen although i had not then the least fear that he would attempt any malignant tricks with me whilst we remained in this posture the feeling that he lay in the berth next but one to mine made me uneasy in spite of my reasoning and i was so nervous as to silently shoot a great iron bolt so that it would have been impossible to enter without beating the door in. In sober truth, the sight of the treasure had put a sort of fever into my imagination, of the heat and effects of which I was not completely sensible until I was alone in my cabin and swinging in the darkness. That the value of what I had seen came to ninety or a hundred thousand pounds of our money, I could not doubt, And I will not deny that my fancy was greatly excited by thinking of it. But there was something else. Suppose we should have the happiness to escape with this treasure. Then I was perfectly certain the Frenchman would come between me and my share of it. This apprehension threading my heated thoughts of the gold and silver kept me restless during the greater part of the night and I also held my brains on the stretch with devices for saving ourselves and the treasure. Yet I could not satisfy my mind that anything was to be done unless nature herself assisted us in freeing the schooner. However, as it happened, the gale roared for a whole week, and the cold was so frightful and the air so charged with spray and hail that we were forced to lie close below with the hatches on for our lives. It was true Cape Horn weather with seas as high as cliffs and a westering tendency in the wind that flung sheets of water through the ravine which must have quickly filled the hollow and built us up in ice to the height of the rails but for the strong slope down which the water rushed as fast as it was hurled. I never needed to peep an inch beyond the companion way to view the sky nor for the matter of that was there ever any occasion to leave the cabin to guess at the weather, for the perpetual thunder of it echoed strong in every part of the vessel below, and the whole fabric was constantly shivering to the blows of the falls of water on her decks. At first the Frenchman and I would sit in the greatest fear imaginable, constantly expecting some mighty disaster, such as the rending of the ice under our keel and our being swallowed up, or the coming together of the slopes in such a manner as to crush the ship, or the fall upon her of ice weighty enough to beat her flat, though perhaps this was the least feared, for unless the storm changed the whole face of the cliffs, there was no ice in our neighborhood to serve us in that way. But as the time slipped by, and nothing worse happened than one sharp movement only in the vessel— following the heels of a great noise like a cannon discharged just outside though this movement scared us nearly out of our senses and held us in a manner dumbfounded for the rest of the day i say the time passing and nothing more terrifying than what i have related happening we took heart and waited with some courage and patience for the gale to break never doubting that we should find a wonderful change when we surveyed the scene from the heights we lived well sparing ourselves in nothing that the vessel contained the abundance rendering stint idle the frenchman cooked for he was a better hand than i at that work and provided several relishable sea pies cakes and broths as for liquor There was enough on board to drown the pair of us twenty times over. Wines of France, Spain, Portugal, very choice fine brandy, rum in plenty, and variety indeed has enabled us to brew a different kind of punch every day in the seven. But we were much more careful with the coal and spared it to the utmost by burning the hammocks, bedding, and chests that lay in the forecastle. That is to say... We burnt these things by degrees, the stock being excessive, and by judiciously mixing them with coal and wood, they made good warming fires, and as tinder lasted long too. We occupied one morning in thoroughly overhauling the forecastle for such articles of value as the sailors had dropped or forgotten in their flight, but found much less than I expected from the sight of the money and other things on the deck. "'There was little in this way to be found in the cabins. "'I mean in the captain's cabin which I used, "'and the one next it that had been the mate's, "'for, of course, I did not search Mr. Tassard's berth. "'But though it was quite likely "'that the seamen had plundered these cabins "'before they left the ship, "'I was also sure that the Frenchman "'had made a clean sweep of what they had overlooked "'when he pretended to search for the keys "'of the treasure chests.' and this suspicion I seemed to find confirmed by the appearance of the captain's boxes. One of these boxes contained books, papers, a telescope, some nautical instruments, and the like. I looked at the books and the papers in the hope of finding something to read, but they were written and printed in the Spanish tongue and might have been Hebrew for all the good they were to me our life was extraordinarily dismal and melancholy how much so i am unable to express it was just the same as living in a dungeon there was no crevice for the daylight to shine through and had there been we must have closed it to keep the cold out nothing could be imagined more gloomy to the spirits than the perpetual night of the schooner's interior the furnace it is true Would, when it flamed heartily throw a brightness about it but often it sank into redness that did not but empurple the gloom we burned but one candle at a time and its light was very small so that our time was spent chiefly in a sullen twilight added to all this was my dislike of my companion he would half fuddle himself with liquor and in that condition hiccup out twenty kinds of villainous yarns of piracy murder and bloodshed boasting of the number of persons he had dispatched of his system of torturing prisoners to make them confess what they had concealed and where he would drivel about his amours of the style in which he lived when ashore and the like But whether reticence had grown into a habit too strong even for drink to break down, he never once gave me so much as a hint touching his youth and early life. He was completely a Frenchman in his vanity, and you would have thought him entirely odious and detestable for his excessive quality in him alone. Methinks I see him now, sitting before me, with one half of him reflecting the light of the furnace, his little eyes twinkling with a cruel merriment of wine, telling me a lying story of the adoration of a noble, queenly-looking captive for his person, some lovely Spanish court lady whom, with others, they had taken out of a small frigate bound to old Spain. To test her sincerity, he offered to procure her liberty at the first opportunity that offered, but she wept raved tore her hair no without her jewels life would be unendurable her husband her country her king nay even the allurements and sparkle of the court had grown disgusting and so on and so on and i think a monkey would have burst into laughter to see the bald-headed old satyr beating his bosom flourish his arms ogle languish and simper all with the cut-throat expression too, soften his voice and act in short as if he was not telling me as big a lie as was ever related on shipboard it naturally rendered me very melancholy to reflect that i had restored this old villain to life and i protest it was a continuous shock to such religious feelings as i had managed to preserve to reflect that what had been as good as nearly a half a century of death had done nothing for this elderly rogue's morals it entered my head once to believe that if i could succeed in getting him to believe he had lain frozen for eight and forty years he might be seized with a fright for he was a white-livered creature and in some directions mend and so to come to a sense of the service i had done him of which he appeared wholly insensible and qualify me to rid my mind of the fears which i entertained concerning our association should we manage to escape with the treasure i said to him bluntly not apropos to use his own lingo of anything we were talking about tis odd mr tassard that you should doubt my assurance that this is the year eighteen hundred and one he stared grinned and said do you think so well said i perhaps it is not so odd after all but you should suffer me to have as good an idea of the passage of time as yourself you cannot tell me how long your stupor lasted two days if you like he interrupted vehemently why more why longer than a day how do you know "'that I had sunk into the condition in which you found me longer than an hour or two when you landed. "'How do you know, hey? How do you know?' and he snapped his fingers. "'I know by the date you name, and by the year that it is,' said I defiantly. "'He uttered a coarse French expression and added, "'You want to prove that I have been insensible for forty-eight years?' "'It is a fact,' said I." He looked so wild and fierce that I drew myself erect, ready for him if he should fall upon me. Then, slowly wagging his head whilst the anger in his face softened out, he said, Who reigns in France now? I said, There is no king, he was beheaded. What was his name? said he, Louis the sixteenth. I answered, Ha! cried he with an arch sneer, Louis the sixteenth. Hey, are you sure it wasn't Louis the seventeenth? He is dead, too. This is news, Mr. Rodney, he said scornfully. Whilst you have been here, said I, many mighty changes have happened. France has produced as great a general and as dangerous a villain as the world ever beheld. His name is Bonaparte. He shrugged his shoulders with an air of mocking pity. Who is your king? he asked. George Third," said I. God bless him. So... George and Louis, Louis and George, I see how it is. Stick to your dates, sir, but, my friend, never set up as a schoolmaster. This sally seemed to delight him, and he burst into a loud laugh. 18 hundred and one, he cried. A man I knew once lost ten thousand livres at a coup what do you think happened they settled him in ear. he patted his belly he went about bragging to everybody that he was made of money and was nicknamed the walking bourse one day he asked a friend to dine with him when the bill was presented he felt in his pockets and he exclaimed i left my purse at home no matter there is plenty here with which he seized a table-knife and ripped himself open eighteen hundred and one do you call it sue it but let it be your secret my friend the world will not love you for making it fifty years older than it is it was ridiculous to attempt to combat such obstinacy as this and as the subject produced nothing but excitement and irritation i dropped it and meddled with it no more leaving him to his conviction that I was cracked in this one particular. In fact, it was a matter of no consequence at all. What came very much closer home was the business of our deliverance, and over this we talked long and very earnestly, for he forgot to be mean and fierce and boastful, and I to dislike and fear him, when we spoke of getting away with our treasure and returning to our native home for hour after hour would we go on plotting and planning and scheming stepping about the cook-house in our earnestness and entirely engrossed with the topic his contention was that if we were to save the money and plate we must save the schooner unless we build a vessel said i out of what out of the schooner are you a carpenter said he no i replied ''Neither am I,'' said he. ''It's possible we might contrive such a structure as would enable us to save our lives. But we have not the skill to produce a vessel big enough to contain these chests as well as ourselves, and the stores we should require to take. Besides, do you know there is no labor more fatiguing than knocking such a craft as this to pieces?'' this i very well believed and it was truer of such a vessel as the Bocca del dragon that was a perfect bed of timber and like the laughing mary built as if she was to keep the seas for three hundred years and supposing said he after infinite toil we succeeded in breaking up as much of her as we wanted what appliances have we for reshaping the care of timbers and where are we to lay the keel labour as we might the cold would prove too much for us no mr rodney to save the treasure ay and to save ourselves we must save the sheep let us put our minds to that in this way we would reason and i confess he talked very sensibly taking very practical views and indicating difficulties "'which my more ardent and imaginative nature "'might have been blind to "'till they immovably confronted me "'and rendered days of labor useless. "'But how was the ship to be saved? "'Was it possible to force nature's hand, "'in other words, to anticipate our release "'by the dissolution of the ice? "'We were both agreed that this was the winter season "'in these seas, though he instantly grew sulky "'if I mentioned the month.' for he was as certain i was as mad in this as in the year and he would eye me very malignantly if i persisted in calling it july but as i have said we were both agreed that the summer was to come and though we could not swear that the ice was floating northwards we had a right to believe so in spite of the fierceness of the cold this being the trick of all these frozen estates when they fetch to the heights under which we lay and we would ask each other whether we should let our hands and minds rest idle and wait to see what the summer would do for us or essay to launch the schooner eve said he we wait for the ice to break up it may break us up too yes said i but how are we to cut the vessel out of this ice in which she is seated above the garboard streak waiting is odious and intolerable work but my own conviction is nothing is to be done till the sun comes this way and the ice crumbles into bergs the island is leagues long and vanishes in the south but it is wasting fast in the north and when this gale is done i shall expect to see twenty bergs where it was before all compact as you may guess our long conversations left us without plans bitter as was our need and vigorous as were our efforts to strike upon some likely scheme. However, if they achieved no more, they served to beguile the time, and what was better yet, they took my companion's mind off his nauseous and revolting recollections, so that it was only now and again when he had drained a full bowl, and his little eyes danced in their thick shagged caves, That he regaled me with his memories of murder, rapine, plank walking, hanging, treacheries of all kinds, and cruelties too barbarous for belief. End of chapter eighteen. Recording by Barbara Dirksen.